everybody. Welcome to Elevate Youth. I hope you guys are having a great night so far. I need Cam, Spencer, Jonah, and Andrew to come up right now. Um, just for a bit of context, I kind of got roped into something just a little bit. This, it's this guy's fault right here. But um, So a few weeks ago, we were playing video games together. And basically, long story short, they beat me pretty bad. I was two seconds away from winning, but this amazing team here got it. So as my punishment, they are all doing it together. I don't know how this is punishing me, but I think it's just rewarding them. So Cam, would you like to count us off? All right, three, two, one. Awesome. Good job, you guys. Good job. Give them, like, I don't know, a clap, I guess. Well, we actually had a decent people clapping. Usually we don't get that because everyone's holding drinks. So I'm actually... Gonna be a little late to the party here. It's hard when I'm holding a mic, so. All right, tonight, um, oh, before we begin, uh, last week we announced we were going to the Bold Conference this year. Super excited, I know, yes. It's gonna be a really good time. It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be awesome. I'm excited to announce that next Wednesday, we are going to announce all the details about the Bold Conference. We're going to be handing out handouts. We're going to be uh, announcing the, the exact uh, schedules, the, the prices, and all of that stuff. And um, registrations will be open next week. So be on the lookout for next week. We're going to be uh, actually starting to do signups and payments, and it's going to be a great time. We're going to have some good videos next week as well. So. Let's continue on with the night. Um, I'm actually not speaking, which is actually a good thing because all day, all day, I have ha been stumbling over my words. Does anybody else have days like that where you just, you can't say anything right? Okay, it's not just me. I, feel, I don't feel alone. I can't even talk right now. <laughs> so you guys don't have to listen to me all night. But in fact, my friend and leader at Elevate here, Andrew Sharp's going to be speaking. Let's give him a round of applause. Is that booing? I, th I think you're getting booed a little bit. I heard booing. I'm going to give this to you before I, I keep messing it up. Okay. Here you go. Thanks. Good job. Hey, everybody. Ooh. Oh, wow. That's loud. I'm not used to this. I don't really like how my voice sounds, so it's nice to hear it like half a second after I say things. Cool. Yeah. So as Sean said, um, I'm a leader here at Elevate. I've been in Elevate um, since like 2014, maybe 2015. Um, we were back over in the kids' church area and the other side of Journey. Um, and yeah, I started coming, I was, I think I was 14 years old. I don't know what year that was necessarily. But um, I was, I think, the only non-Phillips that was in the entire youth group. Maybe like one or two other people that I didn't really know. But yeah, it's really cool to see how God has moved and how much bigger it is, even though there's still 95% Phillips or Phillips related people here. Um, so yeah, I thank you guys for letting me speak. And that was really cool. I'll tie it in later, but the, um, the song that Kelsey sang at the end, uh, break, break Every Chain, yeah. That kind of ties into what I was saying, so that's cool. Um, so I kind of want to talk tonight about, and I, I titled my sermon, God's Glory and Our Good. And that like kind of encompasses what I'm talking about, like 70%. I think it's really important, but like yesterday, I remembered I was supposed to send my notes to Sean and I, it was just says sermon in my Google Doc. 
And I was like, that probably wouldn't look really good on the screen. So I, I gave it as good of a name as I could. But I'm going to be kind of jumping around a few different places. Um, I feel like the Lord gave me kind of an area to preach on and a couple of different verses and, and uh, ideas. And I, I tried to connect them all. I kind of had a little bit of trouble connecting them. But um, I think they all go together really well. And I think we can all get something out of at least one of them. So it's kind of like two many sermons in one or like four maybe so i do want to start off tonight um with a little with a little game uh i actually came up with this myself uh through my own brain and uh it's a game where everyone every one of you guys is going to play against me okay and it's, it's pretty simple I'll, I'll i'll say what it's called before i explain the rules it's called everybody shut up and pay attention and listen to me and you guys win, okay? No, but I was, I think, uh, like, working on this sermon and um, realizing how much, how much work it took just to write it, not even to, like, speak it, was, like, really eye-opening for me because I've never done anything quite this big or long. And I realized, like, how much work, I don't know where Sean is now, whatever. Oh, hey, how much work, like, Sean and other Sean and everyone else who preaches puts in like every single week just to write a sermon, not counting all the other things that they do um, way more than just writing a sermon. Um, so I would just encourage everyone, like, be respectful to Sean. And Sean, he didn't tell me to say this. I just think it's really impressive, like, how much work they put into this and, like, how it can take 10 hours to write a sermon and 20 minutes to preach it. And so it's, it's really important, and God really does want to do something, um, but it's kind of our choice if we let him move in us. And that's kind of uh, what I wanted to talk about tonight. I'm going to be talking about the uh, story of David and Bathsheba, um, and I kind of want to look at it in a little bit different light. So I, I know I'm like two weeks behind in the Bible reading plan, if everyone's caught up. Um, it, the dates kind of got switched around, so I'm, I know I'm a little late, and we read this like 10 days ago now, but it's all right. You guys will get over it. Uh, so yeah, I, what I realized as I was kind of like working on this, and, and Sean asked me like, what, what part do you want to speak about? Um, and I looked at this story of like David and Bathsheba, and, and this part of the, the Bible that was titled like the fall of Israel or something like that. And um, I realized that that's like a lot of Christians, at least in America from what I've seen like today, um, like we have this either some sort of sin or addiction or something in our past that's holding us back from serving God. Like we kind of see ourselves as like dirty, whatever, messed up people. And because of that, we can't serve God. Or like for a lot of people, what I've seen is you used to, whatever, be addicted to something. And now, like, God has freed you from that. And, like, you're free, praise God. But you're still living like you were addicted to that or like that's still holding on to you. Like, the enemy, like, you got out of that. God freed you from that. And now the enemy has just trapped Christians in shame. And they're acting the exact same way as if they were still, like, trapped in that sin. And there's so many, oh, oh pushed down and it went all the way to the bottom of my page. Oopsie. But there's so many Christians that are 
calling themselves Christians, but then not being used by God for that very reason, because they're like, uh, like, yeah, but whatever, like, I, I love God and stuff, and I go to church, but, you know, like, I don't know, I, I sinned, like, a few days ago, I, I, I prayed for forgiveness, but, you know, like, I still feel like kind of that impurity, and I still feel like, you know, I shouldn't tell that person at school about Jesus, because, you know, I'm messed up, too, so... I don't know, it's kind of an excuse for us to get out of things that God calls us to do. So the main verse I want to look at actually isn't in the reading program that I'm talking, reading part from, that I'm talking about, but there we go. Um, in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, this is kind of the main verse I want to focus on, um, and it's Joseph, and he's kind of in this position of power. It, we read it oh, oh, a few weeks back. And he's like with his brothers, and he he was betrayed by his brothers like a bunch of years ago, and he has this opportunity now to either like give them grace or give them honestly like what they deserve and treat them the way that he was treated. Um, but he says this thing that's like super super powerful. He says, um, "As for you, you meant evil against me," and he's talking to his brothers but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result pr to preserve many people alive. And I think that's such a, a powerful scripture because it kind of like permeates through the rest of the Bible. Like it's cool that this is in Genesis. It kind of seems like a, a New Testament kind of verse, right? But it, it's, it's in Genesis in the very beginning of the Bible and then throughout the rest of the Bible we can see this kind of first phrase as for you, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good, right? So like, even I think of like when Jesus died, obviously the world meant it for evil, the enemy meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. So it's really cool how we can see this, like it goes through the rest of the Bible and it also goes into our own lives. Like it doesn't just stop in Revelation. Um, so yeah, I kinda wanna focus in on this story. I said the story of David and Bathsheba, but I kind of want to talk about um, the end of the story, which I don't think gets talked about enough, because we have this really good example of David and Bathsheba and like what not to do, right? And I know we, most of us know the story. We've, it's been preached on a lot, so I'm not going to go through the whole thing. I will have some notes on the screen in case you want to write it down for where the story is, but basically David is the king of this kingdom, and he's a really good godly guy. He sees this woman that's somebody else's wife, and he, like, lusts after her, and then he, like, because since he's the king, he can do what he wants. He takes her, he sleeps with her, and she gets pregnant, and then, like, everything goes crazy. Um, he tries to set up the woman's, Bathsheba, the woman's husband, and to make it look like whatever, but he's too good of a guy, and he's like, no, I'm not gonna like sleep with my wife, like I'm supposed to be fighting in the war right now. All my buddies are out there fighting, I'm not gonna do that. So then he ends up actually basically killing um, Bathsheba's husband so that he can have her as his own, and so he doesn't feel the shame or whatever from it. So he does all this horrible stuff, and mind you, he's like a really good, really good godly guy. I mean, the Bible literally calls him a man after God's own heart. And he's doing all this crazy stuff. So he does all this stuff, and he kind of 
just like lives his life for, we don't know how long, but maybe a few days at least. And he's, he seems like he's doing just fine and he's totally content in what, whatever he just did, which is basically commit adultery and then commit murder. And now he's like still married to this woman. Um, but I want to focus on what, like it's really, fo it's, it's really focused. It's really easy to focus on what David did wrong in that situation. Like obviously don't commit adultery, don't kill people, whatever. That's easy. And there's a lot of good things that we can pull from that. But I kind of want to focus on what he did right after that event took place. Because he kind of had two options. He had the option of he could choose, um, well, after, so a prophet came to him and was like, dude, you messed up. Like, why'd you do this? And he was like, oh, my goodness, I'm so sorry. And, like, he feel, felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and he repent, like, asked for forgiveness of sin. The Bible says that he was forgiven of his sin. But then after that, he had two choices. Even though he was forgiven of his sin, he could either... One, he could live in shame and live in like, dude, I can't believe I did this. Like, I messed up so hard and like, I'm just, I'm done. I'm done being like this good godly guy. I'll still be a Christian, whatever they called it back then. But like, I'm done being a good example, being a godly guy. I don't want people to look up to me. Like, I did this horrible thing. Or he could have switched it to the other way, which, spoilers, is what he does. And he could have said like, God, I know I messed up, and I know I shouldn't have done this, but I know that you, like, you've wiped me clean, and now I have this new opportunity. And like, ah, nah, that's for later in the sermon, sorry. I'll get to the verse. So this is super cool. This is right after um, David repents, and he's like, I'm so sorry I did this, Lord. Um, and this is in 2 Samuel chapter 12. This is like four verses after he repents. Chapter 12, verses 18 through 20. Just a few verses before to give some kind of context. So on the seventh day, the child died. So that was David's punishment for sinning. And I'll, I'll get into that in a minute. Uh, David's attendants, attendants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. For they thought, while the child was still living, he wouldn't listen to us when we spoke to him. How can we now tell him that the child is dead? He may do something desperate. So basically David for a whole week had been like on his face praying and crying out to the Lord and fasting. Um, so uh, verse 19, David noticed that his attendants were whispering among themselves and he realized his child was dead. He said, or, is the child dead? He asked. Yes, they replied, he is dead. Then this is the verse that I really want to focus on because he right there in between verse 19 and 20 was when he had the split-second decision of shame or repentance, basically. And in verse 20, it says, Then David got up from the ground after he had washed, put on lotions, and changed his clothes, and he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. So this is after he commits a horrible sin, and he just found out his child died. Then he went into his own house, and at his request, they served him food, and he ate, because he, had he hadn't eaten in like a week. And I really think David is the best, or at least one of the best examples in the whole Bible of repentance and of choosing repentance over shame. And like, cause you can, you know, like I was saying, you can ask God for forgiveness and he'll forgive you, but there's a difference between that and 
repentance. And I know Big Sean, I don't know what to call your dad, Sean, Pastor Pastor Sean over in main service has said it before, but um, he's talked about the difference between repentance and asking for forgiveness for your sins. As repentance is not only being forgiven of your sins, but you're like turning in the opposite direction and like, okay, I'm gonna go this way now. I realized I messed up, but I'm not gonna keep doing what I was doing. I'm changing my mindset, I'm changing what I'm physically doing. Um, so David didn't just like ask for forgiveness, he repented and you know, the very first thing he did was went up and worshiped the Lord. I was talking to uh, Pastor Aaron a few days ago, just like about my sermon and stuff, and he was saying like, oh, that's great you're talking about David, because like David has the Psalms, which like nobody else in the Bible has, all this collection of his thoughts and his um, prayers and what he was feeling and stuff. I was like, oh, yeah, I totally, totally put one of those in there. So then like 10 minutes later, I looked up which Psalm David, because I knew there was a Psalm where David was talking about Bathsheba. So I looked it up and it's Psalm 51 verses one through four. And this kind of puts his repentance into a, a better context. Um, so this is the, what the Psalm is kind of right before it starts. It says, to the choir master, this, a Psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone in with Bathsheba. So this is like right after he was um, convicted of his sin after Nathan the prophet came and told him like, dude, you messed up. And verse 51, it says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin, that's a hard word to say, and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. And there's a, a few more verses in Psalm 51. It's really good. But I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I'll just throw that in there. Good old, pat it out a little bit. You know, it's good. So I, I, I was like on my laptop. I, I typed in the, the verse and I like closed my laptop and it was like nighttime or something. I was like, okay, I gotta do the day's reading for the Bible plan. And so I get on the Bible plan, I open it up, I do like a freaking algebra math equation to figure out what day we're on, because it's like two days off of what day you think it should be. And then I figure out like, I was like, oh, okay, today's reading is uh, whatever, Psalm something. And I was look, and it was like, Psalm 51, the whole chapter is that day's reading. I was like, oh my goodness, okay, whatever. So I think that was cool just seeing like, God working and bringing other people into it and confirming things that like he wants us to know and he wants us to to see or maybe it was just he wanted me to see um and I do want to say like going back to the thing about David um I think the word punishment is kind of I don't know kind of has some weird connotations to it um but I do want to say David was pre-Jesus so he was punished for his sin, for messing up. But since Jesus, Jesus took on all the punishment of sin, right, when he died on the cross. So there's no punishment for our sins anymore. Like, praise God for that because we mess up every day. And so I, I do want to say, like, we aren't punished for our sins anymore. I do. I want to clarify that part in the story. David was before Jesus. 
But I also, when I was thinking about that, I, I kind of had this revelation God moment. Um, it's kind of off topic from what I was talking about, but I feel like the Lord was saying there's a difference between punishment and consequence. So punishment is, I have this written down, punishment is focused on shame and payback, and I, I'm not the first person to say this by any means, and consequence is focused on repentance and godly conviction. And now there are like obviously just regular consequences that aren't from God. Like if you knock a bottle of water over, it's gonna spill. That's not like God like, okay, we're gonna spill this water and make it come out of the bottle. I don't, maybe it is, I don't know. But like there, there is physical consequences when we do things wrong and we can have a skewed view of God if we think that every time we mess up, and there's a regular physical real world consequence for it that it's God punishing us. And that can totally change our view of God from uh, to like being a, a bad person who just punishes us whenever we do wrong. I mean, I remember whenever I would, like a few years back, I would, I don't know, I would like mess up somehow and I'd be like, oh man, I'm so sorry, God, like please forgive me. And then like the next day, I don't know, this, this probably didn't actually happen, but like I would fail a math test or something. And I'd be like, dang it, like God's just punishing me for like doing my sin. He's getting back at me. And I think it took me like several years to realize like God doesn't punish us for our sin. That's part of the reason that Jesus came is so that he could take the punishment, which ultimately is death, but other punishments on the cross. But there is consequences, like for our actions. I think we have to realize that. Like, if you don't do the dishes and your mom asks you to do the dishes, and then she comes home, she's like, dude, you can't play Fortnite or whatever for like two days. Like, that's, she's not punishing you. She's not like, oh, I gotta get back at him. I gotta make him feel horrible. But she's like, you said you're gonna do this thing. Now you didn't. Here's the consequence for that. And that comes into play with God. He's not punishing us but there is consequences, real life consequences for when we sin. So, sorry, that was a bit of a tangent, but I felt like that was important and it's really important for us to view God as a good father who, yes, there's physical consequences sometimes, but there's, he doesn't punish us. Okay, so anyway, back to David. Um, I was, yeah, I was reading through the, the story of David again, and I realized, like, dang, it's raining. That's really distracting. Sean, can you, like, turn that off or something? <laughs> Thanks. Uh, the enemy, like, I'm sure the enemy, Satan, was, like, freaking out whenever David sinned. Like, he was having the best day of his life, which is saying something because his life sucks. But, like, he was having an amazing day because, like, this is a mighty man of God and this is a, a king of a whole kingdom, right? And he leads, whatever, thousands and thousands of people. So not only is he sinning, but he's also leading all these people and they're going to do what he tells them to do. But God took what the enemy meant for evil and he turned it for good. Right, it, it took a little bit of David like doing something and having action, but ultimately it was orchestrated by God, and God knew it was going to happen. And He took what was probably the one of the best days, I guess, Jesus, one of the best days of the enemy's life, and turned it for good and turned it for God's glory. 
So, sorry, this is a little bit of a weird verse. But in 2 Samuel 12, verse 24, it says, Then David comforted his wife Bathsheba, and he went to her and made love to her, and she gave birth to a son, and they named him Solomon. And the Lord loved him. I just think that's so crazy that through David and Bathsheba's relationship, which is ultimately a relationship that was founded on David's horrible sin and these horrible things that happened and had this horrible history and past behind it that God used that and created, I guess, Solomon and brought through that Solomon came, who was the wisest man who has ever lived. I mean, he was super humble at one point and like asked God for wisdom and he was like led his country incredibly well. But like he, Solomon, obviously, he wasn't perfect. He was human, and he ended up making a lot of mistakes. But I, I just think that's really cool that like God could have been like, okay, Bathsheba, you're not going to have any kids or whatever. Like, I don't want this line to continue, this line of sin or whatever it is. But God used that situation and David's repentance for his glory. God wants to use our brokenness for his glory. Not only does he want to use our gifts and our strengths and the talents and things that he's given us, but he also wants to use the things that are broken. Not, not saying that he, he likes that or he wants us to be broken, but he does use, still use that and he can still use that, whether it's in your past or if you're struggling with it right now. So in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, so this is Paul and... He's basically just said, like, dude, I got this thorn in my flesh from God, and, like, it's annoying, and it's tormenting me. And But then he says this, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient to you, for you, sorry, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. So I think that's just really cool to see, like, God wants to use our weakness, our, our sin, our brokenness. Not saying, again, that we should sin, like, where is it? Roman, Romans 6, uh, 1 through 2 says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in that? So I'm not trying to say, oh, God wants you to keep sinning, keep continuing, whatever, addiction, brokenness you're in, but I do want to point out that God can still use you in that. Or if you're struggling with like shame from things you've done in the past, God wants to use that. I think it's best summed up in the phrase that I totally made up myself and I'm going to patent it. No one's ever said this before. God doesn't cause everything, but he can use everything, right? I don't believe, and I don't think anyone believes, hopefully, that God causes every single thing, every horrible thing that happens in, on this earth. But I believe he can use it. He can turn things for good, just like he did with Joseph. God wants to take what the enemy meant to destroy you or to control your life, and he wants to use it for your good and for his glory. Also, okay, oh, I got two minutes. I'm not going to go in depth with this, but I think it's important that we don't get to define good, right? It says, for 
for your good and for his glory. But we don't get to define what good means. So just because it might not look necessarily great in our eyes or good right now, that doesn't mean that God's not working through it. God is the one who defines good. I think I just got like a like a Fortnite uh, notification on the side of my, my, thank you, thank you. Yeah, it really distracted me. I could preach for like an hour and say all this stuff from the Bible, but if I say Fortnite, everyone like loses their minds and, and claps for it. But I, I do think this is really important just to realize and to focus on like, yes, we've done this messed up stuff in the past, or maybe there's something we're still struggling with and God's wanting to free us from it. But, like, he wants, uh, he wants to use us in that, whether we're still in it right now or whether it's something we've struggled with. Even, like, for the adults in here, it could be something that's, like, 20 or 30 years ago or, like, five years ago or whatever. And it could be something that's still holding us back from, like, reaching what God wants us to do. And I just think it's important to lay that down and to give that up to him and realize God can do whatever he wants. Like, he can use me even in my sin. So, yeah, if the band wants to go ahead and come back up, you guys can. And, yeah, why don't you guys actually just stand up with me and we can uh, close this out. It's already eight. Jesus. I think it's really important just to remember, like what I was saying, like, you may be going through something right now and... The Lord may be trying to, to use you. Maybe you're, like, you're stuck in an addiction and God's like trying to use you to reach somebody else. But because you're stuck in that addiction or whatever it is, you refuse to listen to God and you think you're too dirty. Or maybe it's something to where you used to be stuck in an, addi- an addiction or a sin or a habit or whatever, and the Lord has freed you from that. But kind of like um, the sermon a couple weeks ago, you've gotten the breakthrough You've been freed from that sin, but you haven't done the follow-through. You haven't, like, used that for God's glory. You haven't gone to people who are struggling with what you used to struggle with and ministering to them, right? I think that's something that God really wants us to do um, is to take the things that he's fixed, that he's... So if the prayer teams could come back up, or come up, not back up, that would be awesome. Um, I want to read this verse real fast while they come up. In Romans 8.28, it's a classic. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Right? And that's hopefully all of us in this room. And I think it's interesting that it doesn't say those who are saved it says those who love God but that's a whole nother whole nother thing um so what we're gonna do right now obviously the prayer teams just came down and I want to challenge you guys if you are going through something right now whether it's uh, a small sin or whether it's an addiction that's been in your life for a long time or whether it's something you know somebody else that isn't here is going through 
I just want to challenge you guys during the, the last song to just come up and find someone, uh, preferably of the, the same gender, um, and just ask for prayer from them. Uh, we have the, some of the tribe leaders represented up here, so if you want, you can totally feel free to match up with whatever tribe you're in, if, or whoever you want, as long as it's the same gender. But I, I just think this is a really important time, because like Kelsey sang earlier, like the, the bridge part where it's like, there's an army rising up to break every chain. Like that's all you guys in this room, and it's not us going to a person and saying, oh, I'm gonna break your addiction of whatever it is. It's God through us, so both of us in unison doing that. And that's you guys in this room if you allow him. So if you are going through something right now, or if you are struggling with shame from something that maybe you've done, whatever, something that you just got breakthrough for, or something that was years ago, or whatever it is, whether you're a student, a leader, or an adult, or whatever, feel free to come up here. These guys really want to pray for you. That's why they're up here. And I also want to, this is, I don't mean this to bring any, um, condemnation or, or anything like that or any shame, but something I've realized, hopefully I'm allowed to say this, is every time in the past that we've had all the, the prayer team up here and they're, they're wanting to pray for people, and I've been up here a few times wanting to pray for people, and I've realized like every single time there's like one guy who comes up, like not the same guy, but like there's like 10 girls that come up and are like wanting wanting prayer and wanting more of Jesus and there's like one guy that comes up and I, I know there's a, a there's probably more ladies here than guys and I'm not trying to bring any condemnation I know like maybe you're not struggling with anything right now but if you're a dude and you feel like God is wanting you to come up here and get prayed for do it like I don't care if people think whatever about you or people laugh about you like who cares like what is that gonna matter in 50 years in tomorrow like what is that gonna matter and I feel like I was praying about this earlier and I feel like the Lord said this specifically to the guys here and again not to bring any condemnation if there isn't anything you're going through you don't have to come up here there's no rules or anything like that I was just saying if you feel the Lord is leading you um, I feel like the Lord said, the least manly thing, the least masculine, the least godly thing that you could do is to stay in your seat when you should be up here getting prayed for. Yes. Like, and again, no, no judgment or condemnation or anything, but the most manly thing to do is come up here and say, I don't care what people think. I don't, uh, it doesn't matter what everyone's talking about me. Like, it doesn't matter, I'm sharing this deep thing that I haven't told to anyone before. Like, that is true manliness. And for the ladies, I'm not a lady, so I don't know. But you guys should come up here and get prayed for too. Like, God wants everyone up here. And he wants to cause breakthrough, and he wants to use you, and he wants to get rid of shame and get rid of addiction and whatever it is. So I just want to... Um, read that very first verse again actually in genesis and then you guys can totally feel free to come up here during this last song
50:20 As for you you meant evil against me but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive I'm just going to pray real fast uh, Jesus I just thank you so much for uh, this opportunity that I could just come up here and share what what you're wanting to say I just ask that anything that was not from you that that would just not be remembered but anything that was from you um, that you're wanting to say that that would be stuck in their hearts and I just ask for courage I know it's hard to come up here and ask for prayer especially when all these people are around them but I just ask for courage and for for wisdom and that you would um, tug on their hearts if there's something that you want them to come up here for and yeah I just thank you so much for tonight and this opportunity in your name amen